Hi, this is Pastor JC. I want to thank you for listening to today's podcast here at Faith Outreach Church. We want to invite you anytime you're in the area to come by and visit us at 3001 Wallace Avenue here in Terre Haute, Indiana. Sit back and enjoy today's message. All right, are we on? Are we coming through? There we go. All right. Well, praise God. Um, God is good all the time, and all the time God is good. Um, we often, you know, we... Um, we can get ourselves into some situations by our own decisions sometimes that, that make it look like that God is not good. But God is always good all the time, every moment of every day. There is never a moment in which he is not good. And sometimes the situations that we get ourselves into, they're due to our poor decisions. Uh, but God is always good. And um, I'm just kind of feeling out here. Uh, I've got some things um, that are kind of rolling around on the inside, and I just want to make sure. Um, I'm not going to be uh, preaching real long, but we'll see. Uh, exactly where the Lord wants to take us. Um, There are many different flows. Jesus said, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. This spoke he of the Spirit, which was not yet given because he was not yet glorified. Well, guess what? He's been glorified now. And there's many different rivers that we want to get in the right river, and we want the right river flowing. So um, just kind of checking that out. Amen? You are not here by accident, declares the Lord God Almighty. Sometimes you have thought, why am I here? Why am I here? Why am I here? Lord, why am I here? But you have been led by me. Oh, on the inside, there were times when I guided you to the left, and you fought me, but I guided you to the left. I never forced you. I led you. I went before you, and you followed me. You were at the right place at the right time with the right people to hear the right message, which will impact your life. Oh, I declare, says the Lord, you are here for this moment. Hallelujah. 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 Well, let's go over to the book of Hebrews, chapter 11. Hebrews, chapter 11. And this is a, um, an incredibly familiar section of Scripture. Uh, it talks much about faith here. And uh, we're going to be going down that pathway of talking about faith. And don't tune me out. Uh, don't tune me out. This is a, uh, a, a word of faith church. This is a Pentecostal church. This is a church that flows in the Holy Ghost. This is a Holy Ghost church. And so when we start talking about faith, we can flip the switch and, and shut that off. Now, I'm a Rama graduate, and um, I sat in classes. I, I know we have some other Rama graduates here. And so we've sat in classes where um, the leading prophet in the world was there. 
And I know beyond any shadow of a doubt that there were people that shut off the flow to them. Not from him, but to them. Because Brother Hagin would be standing behind the pulpit, and he would be speaking, and basically, if you had his book that was required for that class, you could read it with him. And people would tune out thinking, uh, I've heard this. I've got to read this. Why is he doing this? And they would flip a switch and tune out. Do not tune out. Because Brother Hagin would then go down a pathway that's not in the book. So you need to not tune out. You're going to hear some things that are very, very familiar, and you're going to hear some things that maybe not quite as familiar to you. But this, uh, the, the, the importance of what I'm about ready to say, uh, I cannot overstate. Uh, turn to the sixth verse here, Hebrews 11 and verse 6. It says, For without faith it is impossible to please him. Who is him? That's God. You find that out as you continue in this verse. But without faith, it is impossible to please God. You realize that this is the only thing it says, without it, it is impossible to please him? Now, love is vitally important. Absolutely vitally important. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, now then, there remains three, faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. So faith and love are both in there. But it doesn't actually say you can't please God without love. But you can't please him without faith. But faith is energized by the love of God. It's actually energized. That's one way that that verse in Galatians can be translated. Uh, is Faith is energized by the love of God. So there, there has to be a combination of faith and love. And we'll get into that a little bit. But anyway, here it says, uh, again, but without faith it is impossible to please him. To, it is impossible to please God. For he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Now, there are two things mentioned there, that he is. And when you look that up, what that means is that he exists. That he, he really is. And then that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. I've heard it said this way, he is an open-handed giver, not a tight-fisted God. And that's the, the mentality that many have is he's going to hit me. That's not our God. God is an open-handed giver, desirous of you having good things. So desirous of you having good things. What, what is, you know, we're a three-part being, right? Three-part being. What are our three parts? Spirit, soul, go ahead and say it with me. Spirit, soul, and body. Spirit is the highest. The lowest is what? The body. You could put it this way. It is the most earthy part of my being, right? It says in the book of Genesis, God created man from what? The dust of the earth. It is the most earthy part of me. And so, so we have all three parts of who we are, and it is going to require us to grab hold of our lower part and to not let it rule and reign. And most of humanity, and, and I, I would say most of the body of Christ, does not have to know how to do this. And faith is such a vital, vital, vital part of this. Now, you, you still there in Hebrews 11? Let's go back to, to verse 1. And it says, now, again, I know this is very familiar. Do not tune me out here. Do not tune me out. Now, faith 
is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, by what? By faith. By faith, the elders obtained a good report. Different translations say a good testimony. The New American Standard, I believe it is, says uh, obtained, uh, let's see, they, uh, they gained approval. I actually like that. Uh, by faith, the elders of old obtained uh, a good report or they gained approval. Verse 3, and this is something I want you to see. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which were made, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Now, we're going to stay on this verse for a little bit, and then I'm going to back up into verse 1, and we're going to really hammer. I don't have a whole lot of time, so we're going to just kind of teach today. Um, but here in verse 3, he says, Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Now, for many, many years, I misread this verse. And the way that I read it was, through faith, God created the worlds. That's not what this says. You realize that? It says, through faith, we understand. Now, this is a vast difference from the way I've read this most of my life. God, we always talk about him being a God of faith. Because it talks about with Abraham there, you know, God who calls those things which be not as though they were. It does not say that he through faith created the worlds. Faith was not really involved. It was just the reality, I know and I speak and it is done. That's how God deals with things. But it says through faith we understand. So it requires for you to have faith to understand anything that God has for you. You are not going to understand the word of God without faith. There are certain things that are necessary for you to have if you are going to understand the word of God, one of which is faith. Now let's read this again. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. When it says the worlds were framed, it, that means that they were ordered they were, they were put into order, but it also means that they were fitted out. They were fitted out, or they were, they were um, made suitable. Now, the reason I mention that, and this is coming home to you here in just a moment, but he says, through faith, uh, we understand that the worlds were framed. They were, they were ordered, they were put in the proper place, but they were fitted out. Now, the word worlds there, it is plural, which is accurate. It is the, really the word that is often translated ages. So it says, through faith we understand that through the, that, that the ages were framed. Yes, God created everything. We see that in Genesis 1.1. We see it in John chapter 1 and verse 1. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. I understand that, but that's not what this is talking about. It says that through faith we understand that God has ordered and God has put everything in its proper place and God 
for each and every successive age has fitted it out for that age. Now, this changes everything because we often think, oh, if Moses were just here today. Oh, if, if David were just here today. No, they were fitted out for the age that they were there. I told you I'm going to bring this home to you. You were fitted out by God. What does that mean? You were equipped by God. You have things put into you by God. You have things that have come upon you by God. You have gotten revelation that other ages did not get. And as a result, you need to understand, I was born for such a time as this. That's what that is saying to you. And, but he says, you have to understand this through faith. Now, let's take it because it can be translated worlds, and it is in certain places. So let's look at it from the perspective of God's creation. How many of you were there when he said, light be? I want to see your hands. No, you weren't. <laughs> you weren't there. <laughs> When he said, light be, it was in the beginning. There were none of us there yet. So we take it, what, what is faith? Faith is a firm persuasion, a conviction based upon hearing, and I would add to that, that leads to a corresponding action. Because faith without works is dead. So when we, we, we get a hold of this, what faith is, so through faith, that, what is faith? A firm persuasion and conviction based upon hearing that leads to a corresponding action. So through faith, through the word of God, what he has spoken to us, through faith we get a hold of what he said and we believe what he said, though my eyes have not seen it, though my ears did not hear it, though my nose did not smell it, I did not touch it with my hands and I did not taste it with my mouth. Through faith, it requires faith to believe what God said. Plain and simple. And for this age that you are alive in, it requires faith for you to believe, I was created for this moment in time. It absolutely requires that for you. For you to get a hold of and walk out what God has for you, it is going to require faith. Now, again, through faith, we understand. Now, there are certain things that are going to help you in your understanding of the Word of God. <clears throat> you're going to have to have faith. And another thing is, you're going to have to honor the Word. And that is vital. You're going to have to honor the Word. Um, when Jesus told the parable of the sower and the seed, he actually, you have to read all three accounts of that. It's in Matthew 13, Mark 4, and Luke 8. All three of those tell the, the parable of the sower of the seed. Mark, Mark's account says, if you don't understand this, you're not going to understand much of the Word of God. It is a foundational principle. So, when he told this, we can glean much from it. And one of the things that he says is the first type of seed is the wayside soil. It is the pathway soil. It's the soil that is beaten down next to the field. And some of the seed fell upon the wayside soil, and it says that the birds of the air came and devoured it up. Matthew's account of that says 
because they had no understanding, the devil came and stole it. So understanding is vital. Luke's account of this, and you have to read it, but, and I'm not going to go into it right now. I don't have it in my notes. This is, this is free. Um, but it, it says that the seed was trodden down underfoot of men. What does that have to do with anything? That exact same terminology is used at despising something. So what he is saying is you must not only have understanding of the word for it to produce in your life, you must have honor for the word. And I will say this, honor is more important at the beginning. The reason being, if you don't honor it, you won't get to the point of understanding. Oftentimes, when I close a service, I will pray, Father God, the word that I have spoken unto unto the people, I pray that they would get a hold of it, but I pray that they would honor it and that the Holy Spirit would bring them more and more and more revelation of that. If you honor it, you can say, God, I don't fully understand everything yet, but I know beyond any shadow of a doubt This is vitally important. And because I know how important it is, I am going to protect it. And what do you do? It's almost like building a barn over the seed. And you protect that until the Holy Spirit gives you revelation of that. And all of a sudden, then you've got understanding, and it's in you. And then it begins to bear fruit. So for you to understand the Word of God, it's going to take honor. And there are other things too, but these two are real big, honor and faith. Again, without faith, you can't please God, but through faith, we understand, right? So, you were created for such a time as this. You are exactly where you're supposed to be. You are in time exactly where you're supposed to be. You have been fitted out unlike King David. If King David were here today, he would not be fitted out like you are. He'd be in the wrong time and in the wrong place. But you have been fitted out. You guys have come from around the world. And God has fitted you out. And he has placed things in you. And oh my goodness, you are here for such a time as this to help this church to prosper and to grow and to to see the glory of God in this place. But you are a vital part of that. You are a vital part of that. You are a vital part of that. All of you guys that are here, you are a vital part of what God is doing in the earth today. So, I want to go back then to the first verse, and we're going to look at Hebrews 11, verse 1. I just wanted to kind of hammer a little bit, because I don't have a whole lot of time, and I'm I'm going to spend some time here, and then I'm going to talk about some of the things about faith that we don't really think about, because uh, there are certain things that we can do with our faith You know, God gave us faith for a reason. It says he's given us a measure of faith. You can increase your faith. You can grow in faith. You can have great faith. You can can have little faith. All of those are biblical. So um, we get a hold of the word. How does faith come? By hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. Uh, One of the things about faith is you're going to have to act. You're going to have to do something. Faith is not just simply believing. Believing is a part of it, but it's not enough. You say, well, can you prove that to me? Oh, yes, I can. It says in, I think it's John chapter 12, that many believed on Jesus, but they would not confess him. What is confession? It is an action for your faith. Most of the time, sufficient action for your faith, 
sufficient action for your faith is your words. And they would not confess him, for they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. Did they believe? It says they did. But they would not take that action. Therefore, nothing changed for them. So they were in belief. They were not in in faith. So let's go back to verse 1. It says, now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Different translations put this differently. The New American Standard puts it this way. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. I, I, I grew up with the King James Bible. This is the King James. I study most of the time out of the King James Bible. Um, I'm not a King James only guy. I have tons of, of different Bibles, and I use them. And there are some great translations out there, and certain translations, um, they just bring things out. Um, but I, I, I love the King James, and so it's what I have. This Bible is basically the same Bible that I've had since the eighth grade. I got one when I graduated from the eighth grade, or now they call it eighth grade promotion. It was graduation when I was there, and I got a Bible. It was not this one, but it was, it was exactly like this. I graduated high school. I got one exactly like this. I had two of them. So I've had basically the same Bible. We have gone and found the same Bible because I can tell you where Hebrews 11 verse 1 is on the page. <clears throat> so I'm very familiar with this. And so the King James is what I usually um, use, but it says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. When you break this down, the word substance itself is a compound word, and it has to do with being under something. Now, there are three different things. Why does it say assurance? Because what it, one translation actually puts it this way. I don't remember whether it's J.B. Phillips or what translation it is. And the um, Amplified puts it this way to some degree too. Faith is the substance or it is the title deed. Faith is the title deed of things hoped for. And that's very accurate. But the literal understanding of that word that is translated substance it has to do with being under a legal standing. Being under a legal standing. So when, because you are under a legal standing, it gives you a title. You know, we're drive, I'm driving a, a black Cadillac out in the, in the parking lot out there, and we have the title to that. It belongs, it, it actually belongs to the church. Um, but we have the title to it. Nobody else owns that. We do. Well, it says that faith is the title deed because you are under a legal standing which then gives you an absolute assurance. That's how the New American Standard got to the word assurance. It is the title deed because you are under a legal standing. In other words, you have a legal standing. This belongs to me. The only thing that you have a legal standing for is what Jesus has provided you with. Now, there are many people that try and claim something that God has not given them. 
They are not under a legal standing. They can claim that they're in faith all day long, but they do not have the title deed to it. I don't care how bold they are. They don't have the title deed to it because they are not under the legal standing with God. So what do we have as a legal standing? Well, it says in Galatians 3, 13 and 14, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. That will take you back to the Old Testament, to the, to the law, and to the book of Deuteronomy, and chapter 28 in that. And chapter 28 in the book of Deuteronomy tells you the results of breaking the law. First of all, the first few verses there, I don't know, it might be 12, 15 verses, I don't really think it's 15, it talks about the blessing. You realize nobody was able to keep the law. The law was not given to make us right with God. This is mind-blowing for some people. God didn't give us the law to make us right with him. He gave us the law to show us we were not right with him. Plain and simple. I mean, there's, there's about three reasons I can give you real quick, but the main reason is what it did was it showed us we're not right with God. We need something and someone to, to, to deal with the issue that I can't deal with. So what it did was it revealed we're not right with God, but also um, it tells you what the curse of the law is. Now, the law is not cursed. The curse comes from breaking the law. Nobody was able to keep it, so everybody was under the curse of the law. Curse of the law is threefold. You can look at Deuteronomy chapter 28. There's a whole lot of verses there. You can break it down into three categories. Spiritual death, which means separation from the source of life, which is God. It means sickness and disease, and it means poverty. So the curse of the law is spiritual death, poverty, sickness, and disease. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. So whatever he has given to us, now is part of our covenant. And what he has given to us, I have a legal standing before God. That, therefore, I have a legal standing before the enemy, and I have a legal standing in the earth. See, Jesus didn't just do this in heaven. He came to earth so that we might have life and have it more abundantly. So, once again, faith is the title deed because we are under a legal standing. We can go to the court of heaven and say, God, Jesus supplied this. It's mine. It's mine. It's mine. And you can grab a hold of it by faith and it will give you an absolute assurance which will give you a boldness to stand even before the devil himself. You don't have to be afraid of anyone or anything. So, Faith is the substance. It is the title deed. It is the being under that legal standing that gives me an absolute confidence and assurance of things hoped for. Well, where do we get our hope? From the Bible, from the Word of God, from the Spirit of God. So we grab hold of what we hope for because we have a legal right to it and it is also the evidence of things not seen. Evidence has to do with a, and it, it really means proving out. 
proving out. So faith is the title deed because I am under a legal standing that gives me an absolute assurance and confidence of what I hope for, and it is the proving out of what we do not see. We don't see it, but we walk this out. We prove it out. God, you said it. I believe you. I'm going to walk this out. I've got a hold of it. 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 I got it on the inside. I've got it on the inside. It's mine. It's mine. It's mine. And you will prove this out. Faith is actually also the proving out process of what you are believing for, what is not seen yet, but will be seen. And you can be so sure it says, have the God kind of faith in, in, um, in Mark eleven twenty two, or have the same assurance that God has about everything. And what is that? He doesn't have to believe. He is absolutely sure. It is as if it already existed in the past for him. Now, I know this is a faith church. I know you've had lots of teaching on faith, but this is what God gave me for you today. Okay? So, faith is the absolute, absolute necessity in our lives. But what can we use faith for? What can we use faith for? And I'm going to have to wrap it up pretty quick here. Um, There are so many different things. But faith, and I, I like to put it this way, faith beyond merely ourselves. Faith beyond merely ourselves. Faith beyond merely my needs being met. We can have faith because this is walking out the love of God by our faith as well. And the love of God is so important. And uh, so we can have faith for financial provision beyond just my own. Say, well, what do you mean by that? What I mean by that is I can believe God for being so blessed that I can bless other people. I know people, personally know them, that have said, we don't need that much. We just need enough for us. That is a selfish mentality. God said that we are are actually um, given the blessing of Abraham. And you go back to the book of Genesis chapter 12 and you find out God blessed him. Why did he bless him? To be a blessing. And you are blessed to be a blessing. And we need to get to the point where, God, this is not about me. This is about me being so blessed that I can give above and beyond. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 8, talk about this. He which sows sparingly shall reap also sparingly. He which sows bountifully shall reap also bountifully. But every man should give what he's purposed in his heart to give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves the cheerful giver and is able to make all grace abound toward the cheerful giver that he, the cheerful giver, always having all sufficiency, and I'll come back to that word, having all sufficiency and all things may abound to every good work. The word sufficiency there. What it means is the perfect state in life, and I would say the perfect state in this life where you have no need of aid or support from anyone for you are abundantly supplied for. It says in Psalm chapter 23, I believe it's verse 5, my cup runs over. This is a biblical concept, and we need to be believing for more than just me so that I can give, so that I can bless others. 
faith for financial provision beyond just my own. Faith for the protection of others. You realize you can stand in the gap for people. Their decisions, absolutely, they will, you know, they're going to have to stand before God, and, and there's only so much you can do. But quite honestly, you can stand in the gap. You can stand in the gap for people. and We need to have faith. The Word of God says it. We can go back to the Old Testament. And we live in a better covenant established upon better promises. And in this covenant, it is better. And in the Old Covenant, God said, I'm looking for a man to stand in the gap and to make up the hedge. That's in the book of Ezekiel, I believe it is. So we need to be standing for the protection of others. You can pray for them. You can stand in the gap. You can, you can actually ask God for mercy and ask God to stir their spirit to repentance so that judgment, and, and, and I'm not talking about the, the ultimate judgment of God, but so that the results of what they have done will be much lessened or even done away with. And the reality is we sometimes laugh and we say they're getting what they're deserving and we need not be that way. We need to, to be grieved and to be moved to pray and to action. Um, I'm going to just hit these real quick. I want to, um, again, faith for understanding. You need to have faith for understanding. God's going to give me revelation. Faith for opportunities to bless. Be looking for an opportunity everywhere you go to bless. It, it can be financial. It may be that God lays it on your heart just to, to, to pray for someone, just to say, you know, can I pray for you? It may be that you walk up to them, and when you learn to walk in the Spirit, this becomes the natural way for you. You walk up to somebody, and you just begin to talk, and it begins to come out of your spirit, and later on they say, you don't know what you said to me. It was so important, and you learn to bless people by walking with God. But you need to have faith for that. Um, we need to have faith that others will come into the kingdom of God. We need to pray for the lost. Jesus said, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the labors are few. Pray, therefore, the Lord of the harvest, he'll send forth labors into his harvest. I believe that's mentioned in both Luke's account and Matthew's account. I believe it's in the last two verses of Matthew chapter 10. So he is telling them, pray for laborers, and then in the next chapter, he sends his disciples as laborers. The importance of this is praying is important when you mix it with going. We have to be willing to be going as well as willing to be a prayer. And then um, I want to just hit this one, and I'm going to have to close. Faith for words from God. Faith for words from God. Um, and this is really important. You learn to walk in the Spirit, and you'll understand what I'm talking about. But it says here, um, in, and I'm not going to go to it, but in Jeremiah chapter 1, God speaks to Jeremiah and says, I've, I've chosen you to be a prophet to the nations. Jeremiah says, whoa, what are you talking about? I'm young. I can't do this. God says, don't say you can't do it because you're too young. And he does what? He touches his mouth. And then he says certain things to him. And what he does is he says, you're going to do certain things. How is he going to do them? He's going to do them with his words. To pluck up, to pull down, to destroy or put to death, to, dare to, to tear down or break up, to build or rebuild, and to plant and establish. 
Be believing God for words. And as you pray, especially as you learn to pray in the Spirit and you get over and beyond just your needs, you begin to seek God. Lord, use me, use me, use me, use me. He will show you things and He will help you to deal with things. You say, well, give me an example. I'll do that. We were praying on a Wednesday night uh, within the last couple of years over in, in Effingham and we're just praying in the spirit and we're having a great time and God's going here and there with us and all of a sudden I saw a bomb. Don't know where it was, but I saw a bomb and I began to take authority over that and stopped that. Now, you say, well, you don't know where it was. How do you know? It was real. That was a tearing down of something that was a plan of the enemy. There are other things that, that God will show you. He, we, we were praying on a Sunday morning in uh, School of the Spirit, and um, just not very long ago, within the last couple months, and we were praying, and God, I just saw China, and I, just, I was just praying, God, oh God, oh God, put your hand, and I began to reach out my hands, and it was as if the hands of God were touching that nation. He gave me words, but I had faith for those words, I believe for those words. It doesn't mean that I work it up. I'm telling you, God is looking for a church. God is looking for a people. God is looking for a person who will seek him, who will go beyond their needs, who will have faith for words, and who will rise up and will declare what he once declared in the earth. Am I a prophet? No, but he can use me prophetically. Do I see things all the time? No, but I do occasionally. Yes, he speaks words to me, and when he does, he does it for a reason. He wants me to do something with it. I'm going to close here in just a moment, but turn over to Isaiah 43. Isaiah 43, verses 25 and 26. I've gone beyond my time. I apologize. I really will close here in just a moment. These are two of my favorite verses. One of my favorite chapters in the Bible is Isaiah 53. Um, there is such a beautiful picture of the Lord Jesus there. But these are two of my favorite verses. And, he, and I can go to verse 26, but I, I just love verse 25. <laughs> so I always put them together. And, and he says, Isaiah 43, verse 25, I, even I. So God is speaking. You could put it this way. I, the great I am, is speaking here. Okay, I, even I, am he that blots out your transgressions for my own sake. God loves you so much, he blotted them out. God loves you so much, he passed over them, looking forward to the cross until he could wipe them out. And they have now been wiped out. But he says, I, even I, am he that blotted out thy uh, transgressions for my own sake, will not remember your sins. Put me in remembrance. Let us plead together, declare thou that thou mayest be justified. God will speak to you so that God can speak through you. When he gives you a word, think of it, and it talks about a two-edged sword. It talks about a two-edged sword. Matter of fact, in the book of Revelation, it talks about Jesus having a double-edged sword coming out of his mouth. And when it talks about the two-edged sword, what God says is one side of the sword. You realize God needs a voice in the earth to get anything done. As much as he loves people, as much as he wants to do things, he needs you to speak in the earth. So he says, put me in remembrance. 
How can you put him in remembrance of something you don't know? What he is saying is, speak back to me what I have spoken to you. So when he gives you a word, this, I have not left the subject of faith, believe in God. And you're going to have to be bold enough when God begins to use you that you do not back off. Because it's easy to do. Wait a minute, God. You're telling me to speak to that leader in Russia. You're telling me to speak to that senator. You're telling me. And I'm not talking about standing before them. I'm talking about speaking it out so God can do something. And it will shake you sometimes because God's vision is bigger than yours. But he needs you to speak in order for him to get done what he wants done. What I have said to you, one side of the sword, you speak back to me, you give it the other side of the sword. That is the word of God. The word of God is a sharp sword. So you give him that back, you speak it back to him, allow him to move. Is this making sense to you? Okay, well, I'm going to go ahead and close because I'm well beyond what Pastor J.C. told me to, to preach. So I'm going to quit. Father God, we come before you in the name of Jesus. We thank you. I thank you, Father, that the word has been sown, that the, the word has gone forth, that the word has been planted, that the word has hit the mark, that the word is there. And I pray, Father, that the people would honor that, that they would treasure that, even if they haven't fully understood that, that they would understand the importance of that, and that, Father God, they would treasure that, and then, Holy Spirit, I pray that throughout this week and the upcoming days that you would give them more revelation. I cannot do that. Holy Spirit, unless you give them the light, it isn't going to happen. And I ask of you to give them revelation knowledge of these very things. There's so much more, Father, that we could say on this subject but we only had a little bit of time. So, Father, I thank you. I thank you, I thank you for the, 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 the people grabbing hold of the Word of God and moving forward with you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. God bless you.